are listening to The Mental Cast, a podcast with great discussions about mental performance training, coaching, and education and learning. Hosted by Dan Meckel and powered by Soul Performance Academy. Please check out all social media accounts at 717Soul and at Real Dan Mickle for up-to-date information, challenges, and questions. If you'd like to reach out to us here at The Mentalcast, please email us podcast at 717soul.com or podcast at Dan Mickle, and we will get back to you and may use your question for future episodes. You can also use the hashtags Ask717Soul and Ask Dan Mickle to reach us. Lastly, we would love your support across all our social media accounts at Real Dan Mickle for all of Dan Mickle's social media accounts and at 717 Soul for Soul Performance Academy. Thank you. And now here is your host, Dan Mickle. Hello and welcome to the Mental Cast powered by Soul Performance Academy. I am your host, Dan Mickle. The Mental Cast is a monthly podcast vlog. I'm still trying to figure out how to actually describe this now that I'm doing both video and audio, but I'm just going to stick with it's a monthly podcast dedicated to mental performance training, coaching, education, and just having great conversations. You can reach me across all social media at real Dan Mickle or Dan at danmickle.com. And of course, reach out to Soul Performance Academy at 717soul or soulperformanceacademy.com. You can also check out all our past episodes on mentalcast.com. And any of you that know me and have listened to some of the episodes know that I like to just kind of improv it. There is not a lot of show prep. There's not a lot of over editing. I just like it to be raw and kind of out there. So part of me, if you have a hard time with my random pauses, thoughts, retractions, and edits on the fly, um, and We're starting off right away with a big one. Originally, you know, I was doing season five. The first couple episodes were called Fixing Dan. We did, you know, episode one last month, and we were going to do Fixing Dan episode two, Empathy, this month. But I had a great discussion with my assistant coach yesterday, and ironically, when I got home, I got a message from a coach that I know that's in that situation and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing an episode about this topic? Um, I know I could use some help and support on it, but I think there's probably a lot of coaches out there that can use a discussion and some points about this. So I thought, well, today's a recording day, so let's just scrap it and we'll go. So we are in season five of The Mental Cast, episode two, and episode two is now called Big Shoes. And what we're talking about is filling the big shoes of a very successful coach, you know, stepping into a successful program and taking over a program that has a lot of success. And we have seen, actually, we've seen a lot of that um, in the past year or two. We've seen it with Duke basketball, North Carolina basketball, Penn State volleyball. All these, all these schools have had legends that have been there for years and national championships and lots of success. But for various reasons, the coaches have stepped down, decided it was time to retire or move on. And you have to now fill that void of um, a, a legendary coach. And it happens at all levels. 
you know, we have club coaches at the youth level that have coached forever and been successful and, and they end up stepping down or high school coaches. It happens a lot. They, they move on or they decide they're focusing on families. So they step away from their program. Maybe they won, you know, multiple state championships and, and just had these super successful programs and someone has to step in there. And there's a lot of factors into that. And I think things are treated differently, whether you're hiring or you're taking a position from within that program, you were an assistant or you played for that coach and you've gone through, gone through, I think you get a little bit more leeway and a little bit, you know, just more freedom to do what you want to do. Whereas what if you're an outsider coming into that program, you know, maybe you've played against them or you're known in a different part and here you are coming over and taking it. Um, in college, you know, maybe you're successful at division two or division three, and now you're going to division one. So there's a lot of, a lot of different aspects and I'm going to focus on all of them a little bit, but the big one I want to focus on is what if you're an outsider? What if you're someone that has no real ties to that program or the previous coach and you end up taking over and some of the challenges and what you can, what you can do. And there's some, some examples all across the board of how much of a struggle this can be. Um, Philip Bankston, most people don't know as an NFL coach replaced Vince Lombardi and he in three seasons was 20, 21 and one and was fired after three seasons. So imagine filling the shoes of the person who, you know, the championship trophy is named after one of the most legendary NFL coaches of all time. And you got three seasons. Um, Ray Perkins followed Bear Bryant. And while he was somewhat successful he had the first losing season at Alabama football in 30 years. And <coughs> pardon me, he ended up leaving for the NFL. Now, I would think that you would leave Alabama after Bear Bryant for the NFL because you saw the writing on the wall. You saw that you were never going to live up to the expectations of Bear Bryant. So if another opportunity came on, you took it. Um, Tim Floyd most people probably couldn't even answer on a trivia question is who followed Phil Jackson in Chicago. And he ended up going 49 and 190. So imagine the challenges of following Phil Jackson in Chicago. Not only do you lose your star player, you know, Michael Jordan has moved on. You, you lost a lot of pieces, but you're following probably one of the best, if not the best NBA coaches of all time and there has to be challenges with that right so what i want to do is talk about what can we do if you are a new coach coming in that you know successful program replacing a coach what are some of the things that you need to do some of the things you need to avoid i think right off the bat you need to set the tone of what your program is going to be. And I suggest not doing that in a comparative method. Don't come in and say, this is how it was done, but this is how we're going to do it. Coach so-and-so in the past has done it this way, but I'm going to change it. We're going to do it this way. Don't get in that comparison game because the minute you open that door of comparing how things were done in the past, it opens the door for people to compare the results of the past. You're right. You're not going to do it the way coach so-and-so did it, but coach so-and-so 
had a 735 win percentage. You have a 200, right? So you're opening that door. So what I would do is just come in and really set the tone of these are my standards. This is what we are going to do. We can still go back and honor and celebrate the history of the program, but we don't want to get into that comparison part. We don't want to sit there and every little thing being nitpicked. You have to realize that that is going to happen regardless. Even if you're replacing a mediocre coach, people still like comfort and they were comfortable with that coach and even if the change is positive, it's going to be tough because the comfort is going to be off and people get out of that comfort. So set your own standards. Don't compare the past. You can honor the past, but don't live in it. And you need to know it's going to be hard. This is probably going to be one of the hardest things that you do as a coach is taking over the program because it's almost like two paths that you have to take. You have to honor but not live in the past, but then you also have to establish what the future is going to look like. And those are always going to be in conflict. You are always going to have administration. You are going to have parents, especially the parents that are been with the old program are going to be the toughest because they worked really hard to impress that coach or really hard to fall into those standards that the coach had that might be different than your standards. So again, change is tough for everyone. And now we are coming in and changing something that they've worked really hard for. So what are some of the things that we can do to help ease that? And again, I want to state that no matter what you do, it's still going to be tough, but it's going to be worth it because someone has to come in, right? If that coach has gone, someone has to come in. So why not embrace it fully? Give it your best, and maybe you can start your own history and your own legacy there. Because there have been a lot of examples of the same. Successful coaches succeeded by other successful coaches. And their systems weren't the same. So I think that's what we have to look at, is how are we making your standards? So what are some of the tips that I have? First, Get to know your players. This sounds like a no-brainer, but in today's culture and today's coaching world, that can be tough because we're scared of always being accused of stepping over some sort of line or some sort of boundary or showing favoritism. But if you want to be a good coach and you're taking over a program from a good coach, you need to learn your players. You need to learn where they're at emotionally, where they're at physically, where they're at technically, you know, learn their strengths, learn their weaknesses, and then talk about their specific goals for the season. What are they looking forward to? Getting their input. What, what do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish both individually and as a team? When you start to understand your players and know more about them, you're going to be able to motivate them better and get the best out of them. Too many times coaches come in and they just want to focus on getting the team aspect. And these are the rules that I'm changing. And this is the offense or the defense. And this is the schemes that we're changing. 
But we never take the time to think about the people that are actually going to have to do that and getting to really know them. And that is clutch. That's key. We have to learn and get to know our players. So that's the first one. Second is learn about the program. And we talked about, you know, we can celebrate but not live in the past. But you need to take time to understand the history of the program and what made it successful. Don't be afraid to reach out to that previous coach and say, hey, what did you find really works? Or how did you deal with that? Most coaches, especially if they're stepping down on their own terms, you know, they just want to retire, spend time with their family. Most coaches will be open and say, hey, this is what worked. And this is how I handled that. Use that old coach as a resource. Even if you don't really have a relationship, you guys are bonded by something. You're bonded by the passing of that team. That team was passed over from that coach to you. And that's a bond that you are always going to have. And whether you reach out and utilize that bond is up to you, but it's going to be there. But what did they do to create that winning culture? What did they do to have those that success? Reach out to former players, alumni. Get as much information as you can. Because I will tell you what, when you are taking over a program, if you can win over the alumni and get the support of the alumni, you can get the, res the, the respect and support from the rest of the community. I think that's the way to go. You, you get the alumni on board, understand the alumni, bring them in, celebrate the alumni, have alumni night. You know, let everyone know that you you honor and respect what was done previous. But now it's time for for your situation, your program. Third, evaluate the team as a whole. Look at what you got before you start making changes. The very first thing I would do is get them in the gym, get them on the field, get them in the pool, you know, whatever you're working on and just see where they're at and evaluate them. See where they're strong, see where they're weak. What are you going to have to focus your attention on? Maybe you came in thinking that you're going to have to focus on the team aspect, but then you realize this team's already solid in that aspect. There's already team bonding and team respect. And you don't have to work on that. So instead of spending time on that, work on the part that they need to. Look for any gaps in their skill or if there's any areas that they're particularly strong in. Maybe, again, you came in with this idea, this is the offense or the defense that we're going to run. But then you see them and evaluate them. You see, oh, wow, this would be a better way to go. I, I think... The problem that we run into in this situation of filling shoes is we go to the extreme one way or the other. One way is I'm going to try and keep everything the same and do everything the exact same way the old coach did. And that never works because that was the old coach. It wasn't just his methods or her methods. It was their sum of all their parts of what they're involved in. The other end of the spectrum is I'm coming in and I'm changing everything. And that's just the shock method. Now, granted, I think the shock me method works when it's a very unsuccessful team and you have nothing to lose. But I think if you're taking over a successful team and a, successful, a historically successful program, I think you really need to, you know, just kind of look and, and kind of do a hybrid. You're going to keep some stuff and change some stuff and figure out how it all works. All right. So step four is develop a plan. 
I am still amazed when I do a coaching clinic or speak in front of a group when they tell me, oh, I do my practice plan on the fly. I do it when I get into the gym. I get get out in the field and that's when I decide. I see how they warm up and then that's what I decide. You can't. You are going to get eaten alive. You have to develop a, pan, a plan. You need to create a season plan. So you do that evaluation, see where they're at. And then you decide what you're going to focus on for the whole season. And then you do a monthly, a weekly, and then an every single practice plan. And you have to plan it out. And there's a reason. And we'll talk when we get down a couple levels. We'll talk about th- that why that planning is so important. But for now... You need to make sure that you're developing a season and a practice schedule that focuses on, you know, improving those weaknesses and then refining those strengths and building up those strengths. And we want to look at what those goals are for the team and as of the players. We can't just go in and do the easy one. We want to win games. We want to win championships. We want to be as good as we were last year. We need to make some sort of goal desires once you don't even have to do goal setting just ask them what do you want as an individual what do you want as a player and and work through that and give them the goals and give them the drive to get where they want to but you have to create and develop a training plan don't go in there and wing it that doesn't go just for the situation of filling big shoes this literally goes in for everything any coach should be developing a plan and not just winging it. The next one is key. And obviously, I didn't put these in any sort of order, but if I did, I would probably say this one is comes in right after the get to know your players, but it is communicate clearly and consistently. When you're new to a program or taking a program, you have to communicate what your desires are, what your expectations are, and you have to do it consistently. You have to remember that what you're asking is different than what some of these players have been trained for a year, two years, three years, maybe even longer. And you're now asking them to go against everything that they put all their energy in. And a lot of times it's not that they don't want to, it's just been they, they've been trained so much differently that it's second nature for them to do it another way. And then that can be, become frustrating to you. You feel like they're disrespecting you or they're not listening to you. But you have to think about this isn't how they were trained. So you need to make sure that they know every day what your expectations are. Clearly and consistently. Make sure they understand what you expect on the court, the field, and off the court and field. One thing that you typically notice is if you look at the most successful programs, it's not just on their court or field. It's off of it. It's how they travel, how they dress, how they, you know, hold themselves up in in media and press days. Just how they look and how they carry themselves. So you want to make sure that that is what you're giving them. And that's the feedback that you're giving them. Make sure that they and you are open to the feedback. Hey, this is what I expect. And if they're struggling, why are you struggling with this? Well, I've always done it this way and it's more comfortable. Maybe you can adjust to that. Or maybe you can better explain to them why you need them to change to fit your new scheme or what you're looking for. But we can't just go in with that attitude and say, I'm the coach, this is the way it's going to be, or this is the way it is. 
that's old school. You need to have clarity to have buy-in with these players. So make sure they understand what you're asking and why you want. Now, I'm not saying every decision has to be put up to a vote or they have to agree or you have to have, you know, consensus for everything. But they should at least know all the facts to form that consensus or form those objections instead of just following along. So make sure that you're communicating clearly and consistently. And this goes for parents. By nature, when we don't have enough data or information in our mind, we fill it with negative thoughts. No one actually believes no news is good news. Anytime there's no news, everyone thinks of the worst. When you're making decisions and people don't know the details or why, they're going to assume it's the worst. You don't know what you're doing or this coach, this kid is a problem. Again, I'm not saying that parents have to have a hand in what you're deciding. But if you want things to run smooth and you want to build a culture of trust and you want to get the community on your side, you have to have some transparency. And that transparency could be something as simple as that player violated the code of conduct for this team. That's why they're not playing. You don't need to tell them why. You don't always need to tell them your decision-making processes. But you need to let them know that it wasn't done on a whim and that there was thought behind a lot of these decisions. Too many times we don't want to deal with the stakeholders. We don't want to deal with administration. We don't want to deal with parents. So we just ignore them and then it just festers because you know who is dealing with their parents? The players coming home from practice every day. Either they're frustrated or their parents are frustrated. So they start harping on their kids. Why is the coach doing this? Why is the coach doing that? And then the kids put on the spot and that's uncomfortable for the kid. So be transparent. Again, every decision doesn't have to be posted on social media. It doesn't have to be sent out as an email. But a simple email once a week will save you hours of drama and time. Hey, this is a recap of how we did this week. This is what we're focusing on. These are This is what we learned last week. These were the challenges that we had. This is how we're addressing it. I'm excited. We're going to work on this. Thank you for your support. When is the last time as a coach you thanked a parent for their support? Something that simple can go a long way with stakeholders. Hey, Mrs. Jones, I know it's been tough for Robbie this year. You know, we're trying to work this out and, and find that spot for him and get the most out of him. And I'm really hopeful for his future, but thank you for being there. Thank you for helping me on this journey to get your son or your daughter where they need to be. Instead of those first interactions being, Hey, we got to sit down with the AD because this parent has a complaint. As coaches, we have to be comfortable with those uncomfortable conversations. If you are not comfortable you're never going to survive as a coach. If you are not comfortable when you have to make tough decisions and have tough conversations, you will never make it as a coach. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel it. Lord knows I've been coaching for 30 years at all levels. 
And to this day, I still get that uneasy feeling in my stomach when I have to deal with a tough conversation with a player or with a parent or with administration. There's nothing wrong with that, but we can't let those fears hold us back from having those conversations because it's not true to you. It's not true to the program. It's not true to the player. It's not true to the fans and the community of your program. Have those tough conversations. I would go a step further. If, if I was coaching any sport in high school right now, every month, you know, your season's what, three months, four months? Every month, I would have a town hall. I'm going to have a one-hour town hall. Here's the guidelines, no personal attacks, whatever. But let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on with the program. Let's talk about it. And not just about, hey, parents, I need you to run the concession stand. We need to do fundraisers. Talk about this is how I need to have buy-in. This is what we're working on. When your kid's coming home frustrated, this is why. Because we're learning something new and it's really, really hard. But we don't want to baby them about it. We want them to push through. We want them to get that grit. But we don't have those conversations. When's the last time that you have talked to your parents or your stakeholders that wasn't the beginning of season meeting where you went over the rules and expectations and the fundraisers? When's the last time you as a group have sat down and had an open discussion about the program and what's going on? Again, it's not about letting them drive things and control things, but they are a stakeholder. As much as we want to believe it or not, Parents and the community are stakeholders in your program. They're the ones driving everyone. They're the ones paying for everything. They deserve to be in the loop. Again, not every decision. Hey, parents, I have to decide this today. Here's what's going on. But they deserve a little bit more than having a meeting at the beginning of the year and having a banquet at the end of the year. They deserve to have more in there. Now, again, that's different levels. At the college level, I don't know that happens because... At the college level, most everyone's independent on adult, but sure as heck at the junior, at the club level, at the high school level, I absolutely would be having those meetings. At the very least, I would have the beginning meeting, a mid-season check-in, and then the end of season follow-up. But we don't even get that most of the times. Most of the times, it's just pew. But I will tell you, most of the successful coaches have those types of meetings and those communications. So if you're taking over a program, over-communication is going to be your friend. Make sure you communicate with them. And then it goes back to building relationships. We have to build relationships. I'm not saying that you go hang out and have dinner with all the parents. I get that because it can be a problem. It starts to look like you've got favorites. But it's okay to have relationships with your families. It's okay to have a dinner with a family. If you're traveling or you see them out, it's okay to say hi when you pass them in the mall. Chances are you live in the same area, the same community. You're going to run into each other. You can't avoid them. You don't want to avoid them. They're stakeholders. You want them on your side. Engage with your players out of practice. Hey, just checking in to see how grades are going. Hey, I know we're in the offseason, but just want to let you know I caught one of your football games you know maybe it's a dual dual athlete sport player that was an awkward sentence i realized that if you're a high school coach in a playing club go see some of their club matches show them you care nothing nothing 
sucks the desire and energy out of a player and even the family is feeling that they're not valued. Let me say that again. A player that might be in the wrong position or struggling doesn't understand their role. All of that can be fixed. All of that can be worked on. When a player doesn't feel valued by the coach or the program, you are going to lose them. And a lot of times, they're not going alone. It's a domino effect. And that is the surest way to lose a program and lose the support of the program. It's not showing value. If they made your team, if you have tryouts and they made your team, they have value to your team. You have some players that have a ton of value. You have some players that have very little, but they all have value. You need to show that. That hits home for a lot of people. There's a lot of people listening or watching this right now thinking about their career or their kid's career and thinking about why it was so hard and saying they didn't feel value. That's why my kid didn't have a good time. That's why my kid wanted to quit. That's why my kid walked away. It wasn't because the coach was hard. It wasn't because the coach was pushing them. It wasn't because of the drama on the team. All that can be overcome if they think they have value to the team and the program. And that's what you need to push for the players and the community. Show them the value. Most players, most parents understand the situation that you're coming into. They know that you're trying to fill these big shoes. They know that you're not that same coach. They just want to make sure that they have value and that you value them as players and as a community. And then the last one, and this is where I said we'd circle back from the practice plan, is stay organized. Not even looking, well, looking at the, the, the ethical and the legal aspect of it, you should absolutely be organized and have practice plans. We've seen it too many times, unfortunately. We just had, what, an, another one this past week where a player went into cardiac arrest during a football practice. CYA, cover your ass as a coach. Have that practice plan. Yep, right here it is. We had a water break at 115. We did this, we did that, we did that. Because when that player, God forbid, has a medical emergency and you are now in front of hopefully not a jury and a judge, you know, maybe it's just your administration and they're asking you what went wrong. Hey, it, it, unfortunately, it was the nature of the activity. Here's what we did. Here was our practice plan. I, there's nothing over strenuous here. I can't tell you, and very few, honestly, very few things upset me when I work, when I see coaches. 
the number of coaches that can't tell you what they did last week or have an actual written down plan absolutely infuriates me for so many levels. I mean, I mean, I could do, and I probably will do a whole episode on, on this aspect of it, but man, just to cover your ass, if something goes wrong, here's what our practice plan is. Here's what we did. Let alone the other stuff like, hey, this is how we progressed. This is where we were at a month ago, and this is where we're at now. Here, look. This is how we had to modify the drills and the games because we've gotten better. It's showing you your progress. Otherwise, you're just walking in the gym like, oh, yeah, I think we feel I feel like we're doing a little bit better. We can't use games and matches because the variables, maybe so-and-so's out, you know, the, the best player for the opposing team's out and you win. Does that mean you've gotten better? Or does it just mean they didn't have their best player? So everything's confused on their side for that game. But staying organized, writing down all those plans, it's just, it's so essential. But that's also what's going to help you with your community. When the first player off the bench isn't getting the playing time and the parents start complaining Hey, look, they've missed the last three practices. They no-showed. Or here's what they did the last three practices. They weren't giving me effort. But if you don't have that to show or you don't have that backing, it's just going to be that domino effect. Next thing you know, the second player off the bench and the first player off the bench, parents are getting together. And now they're going to the school board. And then the school board asks you what's going on or your AD asks you what's going on. And you're just trying to pull it all from memory. Stay organized. Track the progress of your team. Track your players' stats. Track their performances. Make notes. So-and-so wasn't here. I had it happen years ago at the high school level. A parent freaking out on me about their kid. And I was like, whoa, your kid hasn't even been to practice for the last three days. And has ghosted me. I don't know where they're going. I'm sorry your kid's coming home tired or something's going on, but I haven't seen them. They haven't been to practice. Here's my attendance sheet. Here's the notes in my book. I mean, look, a book. Everyone has a book. By the way, cool. Danmickle.com stickers. But anyway, all your notes. It took me a while to get to that point. I admit it. It wasn't at the forefront of my thought, but now it is. I have every season for the last probably 15 seasons, high school into college, club. I can tell you what practice I did five years ago. One, it's a great way to recall if you're not sure what to do. Oh, you know, I used to have that girl a couple years ago. How do we fix her? Go back to my notes. Or, hey, so-and-so is claiming that there was medical misconduct because you didn't give them a water break. No, here it is. I mean, at the college level, we record every practice. I have video of every practice we do. Part of it's because I want to be able to review it and say, hey, this is what we need to work on or, or show the kids. But the other part of it is, hey, when a kid complains about they're not getting feedback or they're not getting reps at practice. No, here it is. Here's the video of them doing it. It's so cheap. And as a coach, it's a write-off. If you're getting paid, get a camera, get storage space, film every practice. 
it's going to save you at some point in the long run, either financially, job security wise, or just sanity. Having notes and being organized is going to help you. And that's what's going to help you with the community. So those are the steps. You have to realize that it's not easy, but you had to know that when you signed up for this job, you had to know that you were replacing someone that was widely popular. And then the circumstances of why they left really plays into that, right? If they were fired for no reason, they were accused of something, or it was a quote unquote witch hunt, and now you're coming in, is different than, hey, the coach wants to spend time with their family and retire. But get the buy-in. Reach out to that coach. Hey, do you want to come in for a practice and talk to the team? I'm sure they miss you. Don't be afraid about living in the shadow of that coach. Use them as a resource. If it was that great of a program and they're that great of a coach and you're trying to fill these big shoes, I'm sure they have to be the type of person that's going to help you as long as it wasn't a bitter exit. If it was on their terms, use them as a resource. Too many times we don't. We just go in and we're going to change it and hope it all works out. You are in a tough situation and you always will be. Take those steps. If you're struggling right now, have a parent meeting next week. Just talk about where you're at. What's going on? Hey, look, this is, I need your help. I need your help to help me get your kids to have recovery. They're looking tired. I need your help as parents. Help me make sure they're in bed at a decent hour. Or they're having time management. They're getting their homework done so they're not overwhelmed. But bring them in. Talk to them. Have that open line of communications. Have your standards. Michaela Sheffern, probably the, yes, definitely the greatest downhill skier of all time, has a great quote of high standards, no expectations. I love that. Push your standards. Your team needs to know what your standards are. You need to know where your standards might differentiate from what you're replacing because that's going to be the conflict. You want your kids in there 30 minutes early before every practice. Maybe the old coach only wanted them in there for 15. Okay, here's why I need you at 30. This is what I need, and that's why we're coming in. Okay, but don't get too far into that comparison. Because when you open up that comparison, you're opening up the result comparison too. So keep those comparisons limited. But let them know what your standards are and why they're your standards. I would love to hear from any of you that have done this before, whether you've taken over it successful or non-successful, how have you filled those shoes? And what are some of the tips? What did you find successful or what didn't you? Did it end up not working and you left because of A, B, and C? And what would you have done differently? That's the other problem. We don't communicate enough. When things go wrong, let's help each other out. Hey, here's what I learned from this situation. Instead of just walking away and kind of, going into our hermit hole and not talking to anyone, not coming out for a year or two. Have this conversation. Help out other coaches. Mentor other coaches. Let them know what you did worked and didn't work and what what can be done. I hope this helps. I, I'm really glad we did this one. I hope everyone is okay with how kind of off the cuff and on the fly it was. I literally, you know, index card of notes and kind of going for it. But 
this is a really good topic and interesting. I'm sure we're going to revisit it, but I hope these steps and kind of opening it up for that conversation is going to help. So please make sure you subscribe. I think it's down there. Maybe it's down here, whatever. Hit that subscribe button. Join the conversation, post some comments. Let's get some feeds and threads going about this topic. What's worked? What hasn't worked? What are you scared of? Hit me up on social media at real Dan Mickle. TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. I have Snapchat, but I honestly, I never check Snapchat. I'm too old. Snapchat's not cool when you're old. All right. Instagram, send me messages. Start this conversation. Let's talk. I, I want to have a dialogue. If you want to come on, I'm opening it up to anyone. If you ever have a topic that you want to come on, hey, let's talk about this, man. I love having guests on the podcast and now on the video stream. We'll hop on a Zoom and we can, we can have this talk. We can have a round table. But we need to have interaction. We need to just stop consuming information and we need to create information. We need to create these dialogues and have these discussions if we want this to get better. All right. Peace, much love, don't suck. And remember, one day one. It's either day one or it's either one day, but it's always your choice on how that's going to go. See you all next month on the Mental Cast. Make sure you check out our sister podcast, Proper Atmosphere, properatmosphere.com. That is our weekly podcast where we answer a question from a player or a parent or a coach about all things mental training and education. Also available across all platforms iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, everything. So check that all out. Please, please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get these updates. If you're listening to the podcast, the YouTube channel is youtube.com backslash at 717soul, or you can just search on Soul Performance Academy on YouTube. But the video seems to be getting a lot of traction and people like video, so not sure why. I certainly have a face for podcasting and not video, but that's neither here nor there. But again, peace, much love. See you all next month or on the Proper Atmosphere podcast this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Mental Cast. We hope you enjoyed it. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review for this episode to help boost our exposure. And remember, you can reach out to us with the hashtags Ask717Soul and AskDanMickle. And you may also email your questions to podcast at 717Soul or podcast at Dan Mickle to reach us. And we may use your questions for future episodes. Thank you. And we look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future.